Hey, thank you for joining us for another session, another episode of Conversations in the Round. Um, you know, it's our hope that you are blessed in that time of worship that we're coming out of right now. And, um, and for those of you that are on the chat, uh, we really love your feedback, as long as it's positive. <laughs> and uh, for those of you that have given us feedback throughout the week, I just want you to hear that um, we really do value that too. Uh, whether you feel like it's critical or it's somehow affirming, it doesn't matter to us. We think all of that type of feedback is uh, valuable to us, so, so keep it coming, because it's our desire just to keep um, making what we're doing better. And you, you guys really are the ones that tell us what is better more often than not. So in case you're, you're kind of holding on to a comment, don't. Share it with us. You can share it with anybody you see here on the camera. Um, or uh, Pastor Mike, or anybody on staff or part of the leadership community of Vista. Uh, with that note, I have to my right, your left, Adam, a member of the uh, teaching team, which many of you are familiar with. And by the way, he did just release an album. Oh. We edit that out. That's no, we're ridiculous. not editing it out. It, we're all going to listen to that. I can't wait. So <laughs> I didn't tell him I was going to say that. But it's all right. It's all good. And over here on my left, your right, is uh, Pastor Justin, uh, a member of the staff, uh, Worthington Campus uh, community, uh, community pastor, and uh, also the director of Bloom, which we'll talk about a little bit later uh, in this episode. So uh, with that, uh, let me call out that this is week six of Rooted, uh, part one of your purpose. It's actually titled, depending on which edition of the Rooted workbook you have, it's page 107, How Can I Make the Most of My Life? It's purpose part one, so that means there's going to be a part two. And uh, we thought, uh, instead of just kind of getting into this content specifically, because you're going to be going through it uh, in your group and throughout the week uh, when you work through the devotionals, and it, it really does just dive right into defining what is service, why do we serve, why have we been called to serve It's part of our identity, um, we're going to kind of take it a step back or two and talk a little bit about what is the 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 purpose that's behind the purpose. So what is the belief that fuels that purpose? And what are some of the, uh, what is our identity that should fuel our beliefs that in turn fuels our purpose? And we thought maybe if we uh, provided an extra layer of depth to this content, uh, that would be a blessing to you in how you shape the dialogue uh, with your community as you go through it this week. Fair enough? Is that sounds what we good. talked about? That's fair. That sounds good. Okay, so just like last time, we got questions. There's a bunch of them, and uh, probably like last time, we'll answer one of them, that's right. mm. but that's okay. So what, according to the scriptures, and I have my Bible because it's not on my head, Adams is all in his head, that's right. not sure about Justin, but what, <laughs> according to the scriptures, is our purpose? How would you uh, define that? How would you describe that? I'm giving it to Adam. Are you giving it to me? I'm giving it to Justin, is there what I'm going to say. Okay. I'm giving it to Justin. Justin's better at starting, because yeah. here's what's true about me. I'm not very good with one-liners. It's like not my spiritual gift. <laughs> so all of my one-liners turn into 42-minute <laughs> class sessions. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's better for Justin to start than I won't be in the way. It's a one-liner. Typically, my one-liners are just like feeding off of what other people say. So um, We'll both feed off of each feed other. feed off each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I think there's a... A couple different ways we could answer that, which is probably why it's a little bit confusing. Because yeah. mm -hmm. um, you think of uh, when Jesus 
uh, is about to ascend into heaven. And he gives this, the final commission to his disciples to go and make more disciples and uh, immerse them in the things of God uh, and do it throughout the entire world. Uh, the Great Commission, as it were. And so uh, that's part of our purpose, is to live that out. Uh, but also we're, part of our purpose is to live out who God made us to be, uh, maybe within that mission. Um, and so we see in John 5, uh, Jesus is talking, he says, I don't, he's basically saying, I don't do anything that's outside of what God has told me to do. Uh, I'm completely obedient to the Father, and I don't have my own ideas of how this should go. I'm, I'm looking directly back at my Father. And he says, I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Uh, and that would be a, a good purpose for us today yeah. <laughs> as well. If we three just for three. You're do doing that. good. Keep going. Uh, so those are, those are some initial thoughts on what is our purpose uh, according to Scripture. Okay. Called yeah. out John 5. Well, in Matthew John, 28. Yeah. Yeah, Matthew 28. And you, you really did also allude to, like, Romans 12 or 1 Corinthians 12, the sense of the body. Like, mm -hmm. we do have yeah, I, I thought a unique, the same. A unique <laughs> call. Thing. Like, there's a, there's a role for a particular person yeah. within the call of, of Christ. Right. Yeah. What, what do you that mean by that? There's a, a role for a, for a particular person within the call of of Christ. Did I just quote that right or did I yeah. get something wrong? Yes, I'm not sure what I said was very eloquent, but you did quote it verbatim, <laughs> so we could celebrate. <laughs> yeah. so, you heard it. Yeah. Um, what I mean is, I think you could maybe, if you wanted to come up with a one-liner, you, if you really wanted to, but then within that, you'd have to leave space for the fact that um, one person's call is different than another person's call in, in specific ways. Uh, to give like an example uh, from scripture, you might talk about, um, okay, so the call of Jonah was to go to Nineveh, mm -hmm. but he said, I don't want to go to Nineveh, I want to go to Spain instead. <laughs> now, it's probably true to say that he wasn't thinking anything about calling when he wanted to go to Spain, right. but what I think is fascinating is that actually later there was somebody who was called to go to Spain, and mm -hmm. it's, it's Paul, he tells us, I really want to go to Spain. Yeah. So there's a sense in which there's, a, there's a actually for a particular person, a particular space within God's kingdom that they're called to, but also a, a role that they play. So the way Paul talks about it in Romans 12 is that we each have gifting that is mm -hmm. uh, particular to how we will contribute to God's overall mission. So that's all, that's all that I mean is that... Um, I could do a lot of damage to myself and to the people around me if I spend all my time being jealous of Justin's role in mm -hmm. the kingdom. Mm -hmm. I think that's actually uh, deleterious. It, 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 it is uh, deteriorating the church in a lot of spaces where people are jealous of someone else's role instead of, instead of being thankful that God has seen fit to carve out a space for them to play a particular role. Yeah. So I, I, I find that dangerous in my own heart um, and I, I hope that more and more I'll celebrate the idea like there's a particular role for me, a gifting that, that God has in mind for me, and to embrace that is to live the abundant life, mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. When you uh, used the word role, um, the first thing that came to my mind was, um, because I, I come from a marketplace background, I'm immediately thinking about a title. 
Is, is, mm. is that one expression of what you're talking about? People look at someone who's in a role that has this title, and so they might covet that in some way. They might feel envy or jealousy over that. And uh, if I'm kind of reading between the lines, you're saying that's actually, um, you used a, a term I'm not familiar with, deleterious. Yeah, but it, then you quickly translate it into something like de- it deteriorates <laughs> yes. the body. Fair yeah. to say that? Yeah. I think that if all was going well, you wouldn't necessarily need titles, but mm. it helps us as human beings. We get shaped from it. But I think if, a, if human beings were all expressing uh, their gifting with joy, then titles would be sort of irrelevant. Mm-hmm. But I think you are right that we tend to lead with a title um, and then follow after that particular role mm-hmm. yeah. rather than the other way around. Um, I, so let, let's put a pin in this, this issue of why we gravitate towards, why we get attached to things like titles or um, what can come with a title, you know, mm-hmm. like power or authority, mm-hmm. those types of things. And then... Um, whether or not we get to this, uh, I, I think we all have an understanding that um, in, in the brokenness of our nature, the things that we gravitate towards out of that space, because they're unhealthy, is, is because it actually doesn't uh, recognize and affirm the unity of the body. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we start to elevate people or we de-elevate people and, mm-hmm. and you have this disharmony that happens. So let's put a pin in that because I think that that definitely speaks to deeper things for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, how, do you, how do you react to some of the things that, that Adam said? Would you add any to that? Uh, would you dare disagree <laughs> with Adam? Not yet. <laughs> how do you feel of his use of the term deleterious? That is wonderful. I didn't know what it meant. Is that a um, real word? Yes. So. Okay. <laughs> it, it means like it deletes something from the DNA of it and, and causes it to function less well. Oh, man, that's really good. That was actually going to be my first guess. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, anybody who's watching online right now, if you knew that, I want you just to like give us a hand up. Just, I knew that as well. We'll be giving out free T-shirts That's if right. you can spell it correctly. <laughs> That's right. Okay. That's not true. Um, there's no free T-shirts. <laughs> Unless there are and I'm wrong. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think, yeah, I, the only thing I would add to it um, is that Nowhere in the New Testament do we see this, uh, um, there are hierarchy of roles, which is just functional. It's mm-hmm. not, um, it doesn't impart greater value. Yeah, that's uh, important. Yeah, you're right. Uh, but, so there are those things in the New Testament. What we don't see in the New Testament is uh, the role of professional Christian. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, there are apostles. Uh, there are prophets, there are disciples, there are teachers, there are evangelists, there are all these uh, different roles because of the giftings that God and call that God has given to individuals. But uh, there's no one's left on the sidelines to do the work and ministry that God has called the church to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the only thing I would add. Can, can you give me um, maybe... Uh, another connection point to why you called out uh, that there are no professional clergy or full-time vocational ministers or whatever you want to call it in Scripture. 
um, at least not in the way in which we approach it mm -hmm. in, in our contemporary setting, and its relationship to the, the purpose and the value that, that we all carry as, as people of God. Yeah, I, I guess I was thinking, Adam was making the point that we can become jealous of one another because of titles, uh, and I wanted to just highlight the fact that even with titles that are functional, everyone has a role. Everyone has an important role that brings value to the kingdom of God on earth, that brings value to the church and its mission. Uh, and while we functionally have professionals within the framework of the church for organizational purposes, uh, everybody it, that has faith in Christ has the same Holy Spirit inside them, we all have same, the same access to God the Father, and we are all uh, part of the priesthood of believers. And so we all have roles of ministry uh, in the world. Yeah. Oh. Good. Uh, it, it's, it, that's such an important point, in my opinion. Um, not uh, Myself not being uh, raised up in a, in a tradition or... A particular church context, um, one of the first things I felt as I was trying to figure out how to go to church or, or do this church thing, you know, whatever language you're using, um, I immediately could see and feel that there's a hierarchy here. Mm -hmm. And it made sense, especially from a business perspective, there's, there's a pretty strict hierarchy of how you accomplish things. So it's not that um, that's necessarily wrong or right, uh, but it's always been perplexing to me at times, um, because as, as you have both brought out, and again, this is just the tip of the iceberg, um, the sainthood of all believers, the, the, the full mm -hmm. access that all of us have in Christ before the Father, there is no hierarchy there. There is no elevated, there is no lower. So it, it's an interesting kind of juxtaposition of yeah. maybe church culture, if yeah. I could frame it that way, versus really what is the community of God that's revealed to us in his word? Yeah, because best case scenario, our instincts about hierarchy are turned on their heads. Mm. Yeah. If you think about what Christ teaches to his chosen group, he says, you're going to launch this church. What he teaches is you're going to launch it by serving. You're going to launch it by mm. coming near to the least of these. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even... Even a late-coming apostle like Paul has a, a really sort of work-a-day job. And mm -hmm. uh, he, he seems very committed to the idea that he would work among them. And he tells them about his work as a, as a tent maker. It's, yeah. uh, he, he's, he's actually resistant to the idea that he would even be elevated. Um, and he talks about how all the different traveling missionaries and apostles were all equal, but equal in the opportunity to become servants, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very good. Um, so, you at home, uh, on your couch, with your group. Uh, how does that uh, shift? How, is that a shift for you or not? Uh, and tell us why. Uh, because I think this idea of uh, our workplace being our ministry uh, space. Workplace being our ministry space. Uh. See, Is that a one-liner? I'm not going to put out an album. Um, 
But that can be a revolutionary concept. Uh, and so tell us if that's been a shift for you uh, in your journey with Christ about how your workplace has become your space of ministry or a space of ministry. Uh, we want to know about that. Cool. So let's, let's switch a gear a little bit to maybe a, a deeper level. If you were to uh, call out a belief, maybe even a common belief amongst, um, let's just say, church people, I'll just kind of use that as a category. If you were to call out a belief that exists within the culture of the church that um, is not right, is not correct, is not rooted in what you just shared, which you started to unpack, uh, instead it's rooted in something that does attach to hierarchy or levels or value, uh, what might you call out? If there are no consequences and nobody got upset with you, what would you call out? <laughs> Wow. Well, I think that if I was going to answer that just in sort of the flow of the conversation, I might start to think about the church as a whole rather than individuals and start to think about the way the church views the world. Hmm. Like if you look at Romans chapter 12 and you see Paul start with, Okay, because of what God has done, worship with your whole life, mm -hmm. you're a part of this body. What, where it ends up with at the, at the lower portions of Romans chapter 12 is you're going to spill out for the good of the world. Mm -hmm. You're going to forgive people. You're going to bless people. This is what it's going to look like. But I, I sometimes sense um, a bit of the heart of Jonah in the church. If I was going to draw an analogy where... We, we think of the church as, as a safe place from the world mm. rather than a launching point to the world or mm -hmm. a servant for the world. Mm -hmm. We think of it as a, as a refuge from the world. Now, I, I mean, I might balance that a little bit because I certainly want people to feel safe in right. the church. Yeah, and I want people to think I need to be safe. I need to go to church yeah. because they'll take care of me because I'll be safe there. But on the other hand, I wouldn't want us to begin to cultivate the sense that Jonah has where the ones who are inside the church are simply the ones who deserve to be inside the church. Oh, right. And the world is the problem here. Right. Uh, and we start to cultivate uh, this sense like uh, God is upset with those people out there. He's angry mm -hmm. with them. And we're in here because he's made us safe. And I, I think that could be disastrous. I mean, it would, it would absolutely undermine the entire uh, calling of the church mm -hmm. if we started to think of it as withdrawing from the world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it should be a safe, the church should be a safe place for the world. Yes, that's good. That's a one-liner that we should have started with. <laughs> so uh, give me some more words to further define by what you mean by safe place. Is it just um, a place in which we meet physical needs and, and thereby helping people to feel safe? Is it um, a, a place where you can come and, and feel like you fit in? Uh, you know, what is it? What is it that, that makes a person safe in the context of, let's just say, a healthy church, a biblical church, versus the paradigm you just uh, illustrated, Adam, which uh, I'm going to ask you to further attack, if I could use that, that term. But uh, what do you think, Justin? Like, um, what are some of the things that... Uh, the deeper things that, that 
could and should be in our space that uh, the world could feel safe about. Yeah, well, you asked uh, if there were practical things, uh, mm -hmm. practical needs that could be met within the church to help people feel safe. I think that's absolutely the case. We see that in Acts when uh, people were, there was no poor among them. Mm -hmm. uh, and that doesn't mean uh, that there weren't poor people in the world. That's certainly, that was certainly the case then. And Jesus says you're always going to have the poor. Um, but amongst them, they were taking care of each other's physical needs. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was something that actually set them apart from the rest of the city. Uh, and it was, it was uh, sort of like a, a lighthouse, if you will, like a, a beacon of like, oh, this is different. This church of Jesus, this way of Jesus is very different than uh, the way we've been living our lives. So I think, yes, that is a piece of um, how people or how the church can be a safe place. Uh, I think the deeper thing is belonging. Uh, we, we, as the church, Good word. for a number of years have, uh, have led with, you need to believe, yeah. and then you belong. Uh, and in some ways, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, it's, hard, it's hard to belong to things you don't necessarily believe in. Uh, but... Yeah, if, if the world came in, are we going to be able to say, yeah, you belong here? Or, no, because you don't believe that yet, you belong somewhere else. And I think that's where, uh, that is basically what Adam is saying, that uh, we, we can, uh, when we're not healthy, go, no, this is my safe place. I belong here because... Uh, I believe the same things as everybody else in here. And anybody who doesn't belongs somewhere else. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not going to create safety even within that, in, within that church because, or within that community because then there's like no space to disagree ever. Like you, asked, you wanted me to disagree with Adam. And if, <laughs> and if, we, if this wasn't a safe space, I right, would continue right. my posture of never disagreeing with it. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, which would, which would damage me because I, I'm part of the inner logic of Christianity is I'm not who I'm supposed to be yet. Uh -huh. Right. So right. if you do love me right. and uh, we're, in, we're in relationship, then you need to, I, I, would, I would ask you, invite you to yeah. critique me, help me become who I'm meant to be. Yeah, because the inside of the church is still just made up of broken people. Now, right? I mean... Right? Are we, are we, are we in agreement on that? Maybe. <laughs> uh, I'm just, okay, I, I'm watching the news, yeah. okay? And, and the church does come up or some flavor of the church, some expression right. of ministry or religion, it comes up. Um, and I'm pretty sure everything you just said doesn't come up. So, I mean, w what's the deal? I mean, it, the, the first paradigm that, that you started to, to touch on, um, a church that is closed, you know, wants to build its high walls, become a fortress to defend against in a way. Um, and so you, you start to have the separation between who's on the inside of this thing and then let's purposely keep who's not on the inside, on the outside, you know, obviously. And then you talk about something that, that sounds really high risk. It's almost like, uh, I don't know, Swiss cheese church. There's a lot of ways to, <laughs> to enter into it. The doors are wide open. I mean, is it that? Is it that? Is it both? Is it something different? I think 
It has to be closer to what Justin's talking about, especially if Jesus is to be trusted. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about a guy who had dinner with the person who was going to see to it that he would be murdered right. within hours. You know, uh, there are all kinds of people who were welcome with Jesus who, mm. A, didn't believe like Jesus did because actually none of the disciples did to right. start with. They had a long way to go. But then you have another layer to like, well, are these people behaving? And the answer is pretty much no. Mm-hmm. So it is very, very risky. And I think that's actually one of the, one of the paradigms of righteousness that's all throughout Scripture but lost to us is that with righteousness, what we ought to be seeing is people who are willing to make themselves vulnerable mm-hmm. so that other people can be safe. And I think if you look at counterexamples to that, you see all kinds of people who are making themselves safe mm-hmm. and are willing to make other people vulnerable. If you, look at, if you look at the life of Abraham, what is he learning to do? He's learning to make himself vulnerable so other people can be safe. Mm-hmm. But where he started was, I'm going to make myself safe and I'm going to make you vulnerable. I mean, mm-hmm. right after the call of Abraham in Genesis 12, he lies about the identity of Sarah. Yeah. He says, oh, that's my sister. Because he wanted to be safe and right. he risked tremendous harm for her. But thankfully, God is bringing us along in growing us into this understanding of righteousness because it's just a chapter later that Abraham stands at the top of this valley and says, Lot, you choose which land you want first. I'll take whatever's mm-hmm. left. I'll make you safe. Mm-hmm. And, and in the process, I'm willing to risk being vulnerable. Going back to what Justin was talking about the early church, they, they are taking care of each other's needs at tremendous cost. They're selling yeah. their land. Barnabas does it. He sells his land which is identity, it's mm-hmm. security, it's all these things in the ancient world. And he's saying, in order for you to be safe, I'll put myself at risk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think it has to be closer to what Justin's talking about. It has to be more like what Jesus demonstrates. And I don't really know, vulnerable. Yeah, yeah, I don't know that the goal is necessarily vulnerability, but the goal is to trust God. Mm. The goal is to build his church. The, the, the goal is whatever God's purpose is, and, and uh, not necessarily just being vulnerable for vulnerability's sake. Or necessarily making somebody else. cautioning me against my recklessness? <laughs> no. I'm just saying that there is, uh, in, uh, in the ways that uh, we see that all of those people act, it's not just so that somebody else is safe. Yeah. It's so that uh, they're safe and they're, they're actually just exhibiting faith in, in God and who God says he is and God's, in whatever uh, they understand of God's purposes at that point. Um, Oswald Chambers uh, is, when he's talking about when Jesus uh, sets his eyes towards Jerusalem and is determined to go to Jerusalem and it leads to his death, right? That's not a very safe thing for Jesus right. to decide to do. Uh, But he says this, the greatest thing for us to remember is that we go up to Jerusalem to fulfill God's purpose, not our own. In the natural life, our ambitions are our own. But in the Christian life, we have no goals of our own, only God's. Yeah, that's really good. I think the early church understood it. Historically, you can actually see them start to come to decisions regarding, for instance, martyrdom. It's like, should I recklessly pursue Mm. martyrdom? Right. And the answer is like, no. (laughs) <laughs> Actually, you shouldn't. And if you are able to avoid martyrdom, 
you should. That's what, that's what the church taught early on. I yeah. think they understood, like, there is this maybe sort of misunderstanding about what you're talking about. It's like, I'm not just recklessly making myself, right. uh, putting myself in danger. Yeah, what I am doing is following God as faithfully as I can. Yeah. yeah. That's a good distinction. Um, Ad, if I, if I could ask you to um, hold on to the word righteousness, because uh, uh, I'd like to circle back to that yeah. and, and talk more about that. But Justin, a little, a little while ago, you talked about belonging. And um, the way I reacted to that was, you know, high risk, doors wide open. Um, can the world, using, you know, that, that type of a term, can, can mm-hmm. any person who is... Um, feeling compelled to, feeling curious about, um, can't explain why they want to start stepping into this, this world of church, mm-hmm. you know, whatever paradigm they're carrying with them, probably from the movies or the news or what have you, all very, all very healthy resources. <laughs> um, can they come here and have a sense of belonging if they don't believe what we believe, if they don't uh, do what we do or practice what we practice? I mean, how, how can you have a sense of belonging if, if you don't start to walk like the rest of the ducks around here? Sure. Uh, yeah, I think there is some sense that of, like, I'm not sure if I fit. But I think the distinction there is that uh, we, were, we were all on the outside of the doors of the church at some point. Uh, and so it wasn't that we cleaned up our lives in such a way that we were allowed in. Uh, we were allowed to belong on the inside. Um, the reality is, uh, yeah, there, there, is a, there is a belonging to the family of God that comes through faith, but there is an opportunity for all to belong. Uh, and so... For someone who, who is, let's call them pre-faith <laughs> mm-hmm. in Jesus' mm-hmm. people, um, why wouldn't we interact with them in such a way that they would, are, they, they would feel like they already belonged to us, that we had their best in mind like we would have our best in mind? Yeah, um, yeah I, I think speaking just personally and some of my experience around bloom over the last few months is that uh, it's designed in such a way that it exposes the fact that everybody has need. We don't have any kind of economic restrictions or geographic restrictions. Like, if you have a kid who needs diapers, we're here. And I fall into that category as well. Uh, And in the midst of it, there are more things about me that are exposed. I'm like, oh man, I need your help. Uh, and like, I'm, I'm almost like asking the people that come to Bloom, do I have permission to belong to you? Instead of me just thinking, oh, you, I want you here so that you belong to us. Uh, it's this like mutual belonging almost to humanity. It, like, I don't mean for it to sound like all gobbledygooky, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. but there is this, uh, reality that we are human. We all have the same spiritual need. Why can't we belong to one another and have each other's best in mind, even when we disagree or even uh, for the person that doesn't yet have faith in Christ? Because uh, if we keep people from belonging, then we're going to have a harder chance of being like, 
No, but it's better over here on the inside. We're like, well, you treated me poorly before I belonged. Why, like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. you know, why am I going to trust that if, if I'm on the inside that you'll actually value right. me? Right. And I think there might need to be some kind of distinction <clears throat> between what we're talking about experientially for someone who's coming into the church, so to speak. I do imagine it will be disorienting. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's weird. It is. Like, if you stop and think about it every once in a while, you start to think, oh, like, I still well, remember weird... what it feels like. Yeah. I'm still struggling with it. Yes. Well, I, right? And I work here. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's disorienting. And, and honestly, it should be because what we are looking for in the human heart is disorientation from the world and reorientation yeah. Yeah. to the heart That's of good. God. So there will be rocky feelings and a, a, a sense of uh, sort of just dizziness at some of the the changes in the atmosphere in the in the culture that is surrounding you in that moment but um but i hope that in the middle of feeling disoriented they would feel like they were also allowed to be disoriented for as long as it takes and they would be safe to be there and explain why they are resistant to that kind of disorientation Mm -hmm. and explain what their questions are about. Why would you ever want to go through that, you know? Uh, so I think there may be some small distinction between that, 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 that traveling, that journey that does take place, which will feel rocky, disorienting, but a sense that there's always people there who've got you. I think, I think that's something that um, is really important to call out. Uh, I know that there are groups that have um, young believers, you know, early in their faith. I know that there are some groups that have uh, rooted groups that have mm-hmm. um, folks that are not yet, or would you say pre-faith? <laughs> sure. I'm going to go with not yet. That sounds better to me. Not <laughs> yeah. yet believers. Um, and, and this whole experience, no matter how they're, I mean, it's such a big deal to even take one step in this direction. And um, I remember what it feels like. This is bizarre. Uh, These people are weird. Uh, I would never hang out with half half the people in this room, (laughs) not willingly. Um, And I definitely don't want to pray because I don't know what that's about. And uh, everybody seems to got, they all have their act together, you know? And and it, it took years um, to realize the truth that the reason why we're in a room together is because we do not have our act together. Yeah. There is a singular truth mm-hmm. that we've come to understand. And it's, it's who we are apart from Christ as compared to who we can become in Christ mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing, if I could say that there's a separation, a dividing line, um, uh, again, with a door wide open, it's, it's that. It's, it's Jesus. It's not anything else. It's purely a question of Jesus. So mm-hmm. I want to revisit this term of righteousness because uh, early in my experience, and, and maybe this is worth calling out too, for, for those that might feel offended by um, poking at issues of feeling defensive or feeling aggressive in our in our faith, um, the same kindness, the same embrace that we're talking about is for, for 
actually people like me. That's exactly how I felt. At times I feel aggravated by what I see on the news and I want to I wanna power up and, and get defensive. But then I lose sight of Jesus is what's happening. It's what I've learned in my life. Mm. Um, but when I was in the midst of that, I definitely felt as though I was righteous. So how am I mishandling that? How am I misappropriating that term? Really, what is this righteousness that you're referring to? Yeah, I think, <clears throat> I think that you are you know, putting your finger on something that's really important because you could, you could diagnose the church's problem as the moments in time where they misunderstood righteousness. Hmm. Just think about Paul. I mean, Paul is there uh, giving his approval to the death of Stephen. And why? Because he thought it was right. Mm-hmm. He, and, and then he actually shifts in his understanding of righteousness. Um, the word righteousness, tzedakah, in Hebrew, it means fixed and fully as it should be. But what we see in some time in the church history is a, a forgetting that that is a word that always requires the context of relationship. Mm. Relationships that are fixed and fully as they should mm. be. Um, so um, <clears throat> a relationship to God that is fixed and fully as it should be can't be achieved by me. So the righteousness is achieved for me by Jesus. He made my relationship with God fixed and fully as it should be. Mm-hmm. My relationship to others as the Spirit of God transforms me, becomes more and more fixed and fully as it should be. And I think you might say that one of the things the church has forgotten is that that relationship with others is just as important as the relationship with God. And maybe even beyond that, a relationship with self that's fixed and fully as it should be. I mean, what do we see with Jesus as he's calling out the Pharisees who had the wrong idea of righteousness? They had a whitewashed, mm-hmm. you know, a sense of yeah. the, the, the a tomb. It's, it's dead on the inside. Their, their exterior is clean, but the inside is dirty. It's the, and there's, there's, their sense of self isn't rejuvenated by mm-hmm. God. And then there's also moments in Scripture where this even, this even has connotations for how we treat the earth. All of our relationships are supposed to be a particular way, which, by the way, always includes service Mm -hmm. and and deference, Mm -hmm. always. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was just thinking that same thing, that, uh, you know, we we got into this conversation because of this week's topic being largely around service. But if our relationships with others are going to be fixed and fully as they should be, uh, we assume that they're going to look more like relationships that Jesus had with other people. And he said, I came to serve. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. It does make a lot of sense. Adam, you're a smart guy. Um, the rest of us just... <laughs> okay. Um, so I'm, I'm going to attempt to uh, connect a few dots. I'm going to have to leap out of... Uh, just the questions that we had talked about before, but fixed as it fully should be, you're referring to shalom. Yeah, yeah. What is shalom in relation to our purpose? And then let's bridge that into identity. Because at the end of the day, at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day and all through the middle, (laughs) we live out of identity. Right. We either craft that for ourselves or we receive it. Mm Mm-hmm. And then beliefs begin to form and flow 
and then our purpose, and then it spills into how we do or don't perform and how we feel about that and how mm-hmm. we live our life. So, so um, let's talk a little bit about shalom, huge topic, but you put some really cool words to it, and, and, uh, and then we'll, uh, we'll talk more about identity. You want me to talk about it? Yeah, of course. I think you're pretty good at talking about it. Yeah, but, but I, I like the sound of your voice. <laughs> Are you looking for a nap? <laughs> I'm just a facilitator, man. I've, been, I've been told that my voice is very sleepy. And it's, it's actually helpful to people who are it's very soothing. looking it's, for yeah, it. It's very peaceful. You have a believable Jesus-like voice. That's <laughs> uh, probably like borderline sacrilegious. <laughs> probably. Okay. On some level. Um, well, yeah, shalom uh, is a word that is used in various ways. Um, and the ones that we're most familiar with are like peace mm-hmm. um, and a greeting of welcome and uh, a sense of blessing when someone leaves as well. Um, but it's also, I think, a vision. Yeah. It's a, it's a God-shaped vision. Uh, it's a vision that has been entirely disoriented from the world and reoriented to mm-hmm. God's. It's, it's uh, 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 an imagination that has been baptized for what the world can and should be. Um, and uh, one of the big questions for the church is, when is that going to be? Right. And one of the things you see happening in the American church is uh, this, I, I think, somewhat disastrous answer of never. Right. right. Um, the eschatology in the American church tends to say, or the, like, the sense of what's going to happen in the end tends to say, all of this is going to be wrecked and we're going to start over with just the good guys and the good girls. Mm. Um, and so it's, it's a, a vision that I think is rather faulty for Shalom. Going back to Jonah, for instance, what is Jonah's understanding of heaven? Just all Hebrew people and mm. especially no Ninevites. Right. <laughs> right? But it, that doesn't line up with God's vision as right. we can see it on display in Rome, or sorry, Revelation 21 and 22. Mm-hmm. We see people of all nations, all tribes, all tongues gathering around this throne. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think what we end up realizing is if, if our vision is too small or if our vision is um, temporary or mm. singular, these sorts of things are, are clues that we haven't really embraced God's vision for shalom, which is to say all things as they should be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the earth as it should be. Not destroyed and left for dead, but as it should be. Um, I think this is why we see with Jesus that he leaves nothing and no one for dead. He's mm. constantly pulling things towards shalom. Mm-hmm. As much as those things are willing to be pulled yeah. towards shalom. So I, it's, that's a way of saying, uh, I think that the church has to be very, very careful about what they think God is up to because we're supposed to join in with that. And if we think God is up to getting rid of this world and starting over, then Hmm. (laughs) uh, then you're going to start to see the church contributing to getting rid of this world. So, so is it fair to say, is it, is it accurate to say that, uh, our purpose is, attached to this pursuit of shalom in the yes. here and now. Is that, is that fair to say? 
Yeah, because that's what God's purpose is, mm -hmm. according to God. So I mean, yeah. <laughs> so so for those of you that are in a rooted group, allow that paradigm to shape the nature of your uh, discourse, your discussion in your group. That that your purpose, our purpose, is the pursuit of this 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 vision, this imagination of shalom, this, this kingdom that is not yet, and yet it is now, how does that shape the nature of how we serve and how we relate to one another, how we relate to those that we would say don't belong or, or what have you, if the goal is all things fixed as they fully should be, right? Yeah, I think the, the, the word relationship, or sorry, the word Righteousness has a lot of overlap with, uh, with shalom. It's just that maybe you might think of righteousness as a somewhat narrower word, whereas... Does this include is... family that you don't like? <laughs> I, think it, I think it most especially include them. Okay. If, if I'm to believe the Sermon on the Mount, <laughs> then yes. Yeah. How do you bring shalom to that person that you, you not only don't get along with them, you don't like them? What, what, what shalom has to be brought into the presence of your, of your own heart and mind mm. in relation to that? Well, that's a really good way to phrase it. We pray, you know, on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. We might start with in my heart as yeah. it is in heaven. Yeah, that's, uh, that's hard. It's hard. Yeah, absolutely. But <laughs> let, let's talk about Bloom for a second uh, or, or any, any number of um, the... Uh, the, the ministries that we are engaged with, whether they yeah. are Vista ministries or partner ministries mm -hmm. or what have you, how are those things um, a glimpse of shalom for those uh, whom are being served in that space? Wow. I get, it's like a hopeful... Um, is Bloom just... Is it about the diapers? No. I mean, it's not, not about the it's diapers. It's not about the but, diapers. I mean, but who doesn't... I mean, when you got young kids, who doesn't need diapers? Um, no, but it is this uh, hopeful step, I guess is maybe a good way to say it. Like, we're, we're just leveraging practical needs to show that we love and care for people. Uh, and the hope is that that, in, you know, we get, to, we get to know people. We get to understand People that we wouldn't normally cross paths with. We get to uh, show them and learn from them uh, that we're all pretty much the same. Uh, we're people broken in many different ways. Needs have strengths, weaknesses. Uh, and where I think Shalom enters into that is we are trying to create a space where Shalom exists. I mean, we have folks that come to Bloom from uh, many different countries. They might not even agree with one another or agree with everything that we believe. We want to say, okay, here's a space where it, that doesn't matter at this moment. It might, it'll matter someday. But at this moment, I'm going to love and care for you and bring about uh, this sense of belonging and, and peace. And I'm going to treat you as if I always should have, you know, like in the way that I always should have treated you, as if everything was, uh, our relationship was unbroken. I mean, isn't this 
biblical concept just for Christians, though? I mean, I mean, this is our Bible, and this is a concept that comes out of the Christian Bible. So isn't this just for Christians, this, this idea of shalom? Well, probably not, but I think we as Christians probably ha- then have the greatest sense of responsibility to bring it about in the world. If this is, what our, if this is our, our God's heart, if this is the, what God is trying to uh, bring about in the world, uh, then he's going to do it through his followers. He's going to do it through the church. He's going to do it through people of faith uh, to not only bring it about in the world, but also uh, when we try to do that, to use that as a, like, look, this is where it comes from. This is not just me being nice. This is because I have a God that has loved and saved me and provided for my every need, and I'm just the conduit of his blessing to you. Can, can uh, the, the not yet or the, the pre-faith person um, participate in the pursuit of shalom? Yeah. Um, I think that you can see that there are moments in Scripture where God is using people who are at least not yet given over to, to his kingship but in some cases never given over to his kingship and he's still using them to advance mm-hmm. that kingdom. Um, Would you describe any area of your own thinking, your own feeling as not yet? Like I, discouragement? I don't yet believe. I might have the words in my head, well, I th- I but when think, I look at yeah. my life or something like that, it reveals maybe I don't quite believe. Are we all, in a way, not yet? Yeah. Yeah, there are certainly times where uh, I can see pretty clearly, I thought I believed mm. wholly, but it's actually incomplete. I didn't. Or, or oh, you actually want, wanted me to trust you, God, in this way. Like, I thought I was doing yeah. that. You know, I was giving myself credit for more faith than I actually had. So this is my <laughs> awkward and stumbling attempt to transition into core identity. Oh, okay. <laughs> so let me uh, read a scripture to you that um, it, it uh, just jumped out at me today in the midst of, uh, of other reading. It's from John 17. That's why I said John is such a good book, whoever brought it up uh, earlier. Uh, it's John 17. Um, when Jesus prays for all believers, but skipping to verse 22, um, I have given them the glory you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me so that they may be made completely one that the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. What is Jesus talking about? Who is he talking about? What's going on when he talks about this for you, in me, through me? What's going on there? And then, (laughs) Father, I want those you have given uh, me to be with me where I am, so that they will see my glory, which you have given me, because you loved me before the world's foundation. Righteous Father, the world has not known you. However, I have known you, and they have known that you sent me. I made your name known to them and will continue to make it known so that the love you have loved me with may be in them 
and I may be in them. What's going on there? How does that speak to core identity? Uh, well, in terms of the identity of the church, if I could say it in a somewhat Catholic way, um, <laughs> I think what Jesus is saying in the first part of the uh, passage is something like this. Jesus is God's gift to the church. And then the church is Jesus' gift to the world. Mm. Um, and maybe that's the heartbreak, is that not everybody sees the church as a gift, and there's certainly moments where the church hasn't been the gift that it ought to be. But I think... In a lot of ways, we could really conceptualize ourselves that way, mm -hmm. that we are ultimately a gift that God gives to the world uh, and all of the beauty of what that could mean. Mm -hmm. um, and I think maybe the second part of the passage is the most difficult transition that needs to take place in this vision of shalom, you ask, can people who are not yet believers or who are not believers participate in shalom? Uh, I, have to, I said yes, but I maybe have to qualify it because shalom always means Jesus on the throne. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so <clears throat> what we end up with then is a realization that my abundant life is uh, fixed and fully as it should be when Christ is on the throne mm -hmm. For me, um, that uh, I, I get to actually be who I was always meant to be when I finally live according to my design mm -hmm. and put him on the throne and then spill out for the good of all the people that he created and yeah. loves. Hmm. Which happens to be all of them. All of them. All of Every them, single yeah. one. So uh, what do you think? What would you, what would you add to that? Yeah. Or affirm, you don't have to add to it. Oh, well, all of it I would affirm. All of it, right. That's a safe <laughs> bet with Adam, just agree, right? <laughs> um, you asked about the identity piece, and Jesus is praying. Uh, what I think is really interesting, one of the things that's really great about that passage is he is already uh, either told the disciples or been praying about the fact that they're going to be scattered and then he's praying that they would be one in him. Uh, as God the Father, he and God the Father are one. Uh, and so it's this, even it doesn't matter where we are in the world, because we are in Christ. That is our, that is our new identity. Uh, the, the memory verse for this week, Ephesians 2.10, says that we are created in Christ. We are new creations. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. There's something about our old identity that has been put aside, and we take on this new identity of uh, someone in Christ. Uh, and as such, we are to move about the world in a way that exemplifies Christ. Yeah, yeah. Um, let me make a, a turn that, um, just the word I want to use, that is more intimate. And I'll tell you what, what jumped out at me from this passage. When Jesus is talking about the Father, he said, you have sent me and have loved them mm -hmm. as you have loved me. 
And my immediate reaction was, this is the son of God speaking about his father, about the love in which the father has for his son. And then this same love is what's ours. Mm-hmm. And for a moment, it just, it honestly took my breath away. Though it's not called out explicitly in this particular scripture, our identity as sons and daughters of God, and that God loves us just as mm-hmm. he loves Jesus. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is making that clear to those yeah. that belong to him. When I think about core identity, the most challenging piece of that is to begin to embrace this idea that I am fully a beloved and known and seen son to the Father because of Jesus. The same love he has for Jesus is the same love he has for me. I don't know what to do with that. Yeah. But it begins to shape my life. I think it shapes a lot of stuff, right? Because we're, we're, now we're family. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, Jesus... Like truly. Yes. Deeply. Yes. Like actual. A new creation is to say made new now as brothers and sisters in Christ. And, you know, Jesus talks about the metaphor of I'm making you into a family. Uh, These are my brothers. These are my sisters. Mm -hmm. This is my mother, the ones that, you know, live like I live. Uh, And what is it that he does? Well, he dies for people who are not yet his family. Mm. He serves people who are not yet his family. So Mm. if we're family and we're reflecting this new DNA that Justin's talking about, then one of the shifts that happens is now our posture towards the world is that the world is simply people who are not yet brothers and sisters. They're just brothers and sisters who have been too far from home, too long. They've been away for too long, and it's time for them to come home. And that's a a pretty big shift in a posture towards the world. And man, does it put the, well, the American church to shame because... I don't, I don't see enough of us thinking of the world as just family that's too, been away from home for too long. Mm. Yeah. So, Man, that's so um, good. <laughs> what's happening when we stiff arm somebody that we think yeah. doesn't belong? I mean, were they not created with the image of our Father? Yeah, absolutely. Were, were, was that one, not, not one of the very first things that we were taught in Scripture? They have the Imago Dei, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, Psalm 139, as, mm-hmm. as God fashioned us in the womb and, and wrote out the story of our lives, is that not true of the people that we'd say, you're over there? Right. I mean, the ramifications of that, honestly, I don't know what to do with it. It feels overwhelming. I mean, just the fact of knowing that you're my brother for eternity. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you better get along. It's overwhelming. <laughs> But that person who is so unlike me and doesn't have my politics, doesn't value what I value, and they're super annoying, or whatever your list is, they have the same image of God our Father. Mm -hmm. And to fail to treat them as such is to dishonor God our Father. Mm -hmm. That's his image. Yeah. That's crossing a line. It is. (laughs) Um, when I think about what grieves the Father's heart, yeah. it's stories like that. Yeah. Um, and it, it breaks my heart to know of the times that I have participated yeah. in such a story as, as one who is loved just like Jesus is loved by my Father.
we could spend a ton of time just yeah. talking about this. Um, but maybe this is a good spot to leave uh, this conversation kind of hanging on the, preci- the precipice of something that is really deep, very profound. And if you allow it to, um, it will minister to your heart. It will open your mind. It will convict you of sin, which is not fun, but I would <laughs> encourage everyone to embrace that. Um, and even though repentance has gotten a bad rap, as Pastor Mike has talked about and, and both of you have talked about in previous sessions or previous messages, uh, repentance is a gift. It is a gift that allows us to begin to let go of the wrong identity, begin to let go of the lies that we believe and instead receive what God says is true. And it begins to reshape who we are for the sake of this world that we are pursuing, this shalom that we're pursuing. So, um, so that's it for today, but let me, let me pass it to Justin here. Yeah, that's so good. Uh, thanks, guys, for this conversation. And, and thank you for being with us. Uh, we want to know how you have felt loved by God. Uh, or how you have been resistant to that. Either one. We want to know. Uh, and you can put that in the chat. Uh, if you're watching on Facebook and you're watching live, uh, we'd, love to, we'd love to know that. So go ahead and do that. Uh, we, are, uh, we are engaging this, this chat space more. We've got uh, Vista leaders. Uh, you've probably already noticed that are in that space as well. Uh, interacting with you uh, if you want. And so we'd love to know uh, your questions. Maybe you have a prayer request. Uh, just things that, things that the Lord brought to mind as uh, you were part of this conversation. Put them in the chat. Uh, we, we would love to know uh, those things. And then we would love to know who you are uh, beyond that. Uh, obviously, it, it, we just get to see if you watched. And so we'd love to know who you are, how we can be supporting you. Uh, so if you go to our website, vistacommunitychurch.org, uh, go to the Connect tab, and there is a Connect card there. Uh, it's another good place for you to let us know who you are, how you're doing, how we can be of service to you, how we can be praying uh, with you, for you. Um, and so uh, also there you'll find uh, some missional opportunities. We've been talking a little bit about serving today. And so there's some missional opportunities that we've kind of identified. They're certainly not exhaustive. If there's a space uh, that you are passionate about and you've already got connections to, please go for it. Keep staying in that space. Uh, but if you need a little help finding a place to engage uh, serving, we've identified some there as well. But thanks again so much for being here. Next week, we'll have an in-person service, but we are always online, and we are always uh, willing to engage you in the chat spaces uh, of social media. Uh, So we will see you next time.